0: This morning we invite you to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And we're going to be reading verses 4 through 6 for your hearing this morning. 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. John the apostle, he writes, beginning with verse 4: Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of these verses this morning. I'd like for us to continue here in First John once again this morning uh, for that of our thoughts. And our subject this morning is sin, the savior, and sinners. Sin the Savior and Sinners. As we consider our focus text this morning i would begin by asking a couple questions and the first one is what is the connection between the verses before us and the prior text secondly what is john's purpose in writing the things that he does here in these verses which are our focused verses and answering these questions, I would have us consider the following three points. The connection, the purpose, and the message. The connection. What is the connection? What our previous studies we've been studying uh, here in uh, 1 John, in the latter part of chapter 2, and the first part of chapter 3. And we want to go back and read, starting with verse number 28. John writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. purify himself even as he is pure there are several things that we would draw your attention to here in these verses which are basically the context to the verses that are our focus text this morning first of all you'll note that in these verses which are the context verses we have that of john addressing his audience as little children or as that of dear children. He's addressing that of the whole community at that point in time of believers. And as he addresses them, he calls upon them to abide in him. That is, abide or continue in, uh, continue walking in him, in obedience to him, that is to Christ continue walking in the teaching of Christ have his word abiding in him to trust in him all of those things are involved in that of abiding in him and he gives a couple reasons for the command you'll note there in verse 28 he says and now little children abide in him that there is a word of purpose, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence. That's the first purpose there. But he calls upon the community of believers to abide in him for and not be ashamed before him at his coming. There's the second reason. And then if we go on down to verse number 29 you know that john writes if you know that he is righteous you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him here in these verses or in this verse john states a fact and that fact is is that jesus we know that he is righteous and we know that everyone that is born of him is righteous and so in light of these things he says abide in him abide in him continue in him continue to trust in him continue to obey him continue to walk in that path of obedience walking in the light walking even as he walked likewise as we come into chapter 3 It seems as if that John changes course here, but really he doesn't if one looks closely at these verses. Yes, he deals with that of the wondrous love of the Father here in these verses, and truly that love is wondrous. He also deals with that of the fact that The world does not know us because they didn't know him. The world doesn't know us. That is, we who are born of God. They didn't know him, and so therefore we shouldn't expect them to know us. And he speaks of that future time, yet out in the future when we're going to be changed, changed drastically. We're going to be like him. We're going to be like that of our Savior. And then in verse 3, he says, every man that hath this hope in him purify himself, even as he is pure. So, the question that we ask is, was how did these, how do these verses connect? Well, if we come to verse number four, we don't have a conjunction like we normally do when I ask this question. But we have a statement that is made by John, which is somewhat in contrast to what he has been writing about. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Beginning with verse number four, in looking at the contrast, beloved, the contrast is between that of John exhorting the community of believers to walk as Jesus walked, which we know that he is righteous, and so our walk ought to be one of soberness and that of walking righteously. And that is in contrast to that of the one who would walk in darkness, not in the light, the one who would sin, the one who would walk in rebellion to God. And so, basically, as we look at the context here, we have a context that is one that is kind of as a contrast between that of John exhorting the believers to walk in a manner in which they ought and then that of warning or calling upon them not to walk in the opposite direction, the opposite way. For he says, Whosoever, whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither known him. As we take note of these verses, there is a predominant theme in these verses, which are our focus verses, and that predominant theme is that of sin that of transgression, that of darkness that John deals with. And it's in contrast to that of what he has been writing about, that of continuing in Jesus, walking in the light. So if you look back in verse 29 of chapter 2, he writes, If you know that he's righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Those who are born of God, they are righteous. They live righteously. They walk righteously. And then in verse number 3, at the very end of it, he says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. So, the connection is kind of a strange connection. It's kind of a contrasting one. One of that of righteousness and that of purity in the context, in contrast to that of one of darkness, sin. John begins to deal with that of sin in these verses. Now, what is John's purpose? What is John's purpose in doing this? You might remember back several weeks ago when we began looking at First John here for just a little bit, that we made reference to the fact that there were those who were amongst these believers, who had come in amongst these believers, and they didn't believe that there was Let me see how, how do I want to put this. They believed that you could live as you pleased, even though you were a child of God. You could live as you please. It didn't matter what you did. You did. Which, if you remember, like several weeks ago, back, we were in Romans six, where Paul asked a question. He had made the statement where grace, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And then he asked the question, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he said, God forbid. God forbid. Well, here in John's day, there were some of those that had come amongst that of these <coughs> believers teaching It's all right. And so John here, he is pressing upon the believers that of their duty. And then also in the process, he is dealing with that of the issue of sin. Sin as far as the believer is concerned and how it ought not to be. In verse 4, we have sin. In verse 5, we have sin. In verse 6, we have sin. Predominant theme there in these verses. But then verse number 4, or verse number 5, you'll note that he writes, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. Here, we have John pointing his audience
1: to the Saviour.
0: We have John pointing his audience to the one who was able to take care of sin, who has taken care of sin, and who takes care of sins for those who are believers. Earlier he had said we have an advocate with the Father, even Jesus the righteous. He had said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But John wants his, his believing community to know that sin is not something that is to be predominant in the life of a child of God. And so now he deals with that. In verse number 6, he says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not, whosoever sinneth has not seen him and neither known him. There, we have that of sinners. And if you look closely at that verse, you'll note we have two types of sinners, which we'll look at in just a moment when we get to that verse. So we've considered the connection and somewhat have considered that of the purpose of John writing what he has written, giving us an overview of these verses by giving an overview of these verses. Now I want us to look at these verses. I want us to look at the message of these verses. What John is actually telling us and telling those to whom he's writing to his audience. In verse number four, John he writes, "Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law." Sin. Not a popular subject. One you hear very little about, and not a in time. We know, we know that for a fact, don't we? and yet beloved the bible speaks throughout about sin sin what it is what it does and what the results are and beloved all of it is bad all of it is bad here in verse number 4 john gives his believer his believing community and us a definition of sin. He says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. Whosoever. John uses the same Greek word here that he used in the previous verse. If you know back up in verse Three, he wrote, and every man. The same Greek word is translated there, every man, or we could say everyone. Here it's translated whosoever. And the point that John makes here is, is that there's no elite group or individuals that is excluded from that of what he is about to say whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law. Committeth or does commit or practices. It's very important that we understand the verb here. And all of the verbs here in this passage as you go go on forward that ha- pertain to that of sin they are present tense and they are progressive and so here john as he writes whosoever committeth sin he's not speaking of that of one sin in making that statement no beloved what john here is dealing with is that of Progression, whosoever progresses or continues, continues to sin, continues in sin. Remember that of the question that Paul made over in Romans chapter 6? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That's what John here is also dealing with and warning against and telling that the one who does this, whosoever committeth sin, that is a departure from that of the divine standard, that of God's will, God's revelation as to how that we ought to live, the things that we ought to do and the things that we ought not to do. Whosoever commits a sin transgresses also the law. Now, if you look in later translations of this verse, you'll note that they translate it just a little bit different. Whosoever practices sin practices lawlessness. Lawlessness. Sin is a departure from the divine standard. It is a complete disregard of the law of God. It is saying to God, You have no authority over me. Is that not what happened in the garden of Eden? When Adam and Eve sinned there in the garden, God had told them of every tree you may partake of, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not. And what did Adam and Eve do? They did just the opposite. They thumbed their nose up to God, And beloved went and did exactly what he told him him not to. And beloved, believe it or not, that's exactly what men and women do today. Men Men and women everywhere are doing it, even right now. It's an attitude that I'm the one that is in charge. It's an attitude that I'll not have anyone else To tell me what to do—it's missing the divine mark, beloved. The divine standard, which that standard is the law of God, the will of God. Sin is rebellion against God's authority; it is replacing God's standard with that of one's own. Note what John says there at the very end of verse 4. He says, for sin is the transgression of the law. Or later translations translated, sin is lawlessness. You want to know what lawlessness is? Look around you today. Look around Yet today in the out of the world that we're living in, beloved, and you'll see it everywhere. So we have sin. In verse four or verse five, we have the Savior. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. And you know, John here is writing to believers in Jesus Christ. He's called them their children. And he says unto them, you know. And what he tells them that they know is something that is basic. It's something that everyone who is a child of God knows. You know that he, that is Christ, was manifested to take away Our sins. He was manifested. In other words, John here is telling us that he was revealed. He was made known. And he tells us there was a reason or that of a purpose as to why he was manifested or made known, revealed. And what it was that? He says, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. Or to lift up, remove our sins. And I want you to draw your attention to the word sin there. It's in the plural. It's in the plural here. Oh, beloved, what a mode it was that Jesus lifted up. What a mode it was that he bore. Beloved, when he went to the cross, when he hung there in between heaven and earth, and, beloved, God placed upon him, he laid upon him the iniquity of us all, that of our lawlessness, that of our, beloved, snubbing our noses unto God. and saying, "We'll not have you to reign over us. But he bore them. And beloved he took them away. our sins and beloved, is still taking place. Him taking away our sins. Cleansing us. Made reference to 1 John chapter 1. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. His blood cleanses us from all sins. John tells us our sins. He says, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. John makes it personal. And then he says, and in him is no sin. In the Greek, this is emphatic. There is in him no sin. The writer of Hebrews wrote, and we'll turn there, Hebrews chapter 7. In verse 25, he wrote, Wherefore he's able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. For such I, a high priest became us who is... Holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Note how our Savior is described here. He's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Beloved, Christ is holy, he is pure. He's separate from sinners. In verse six, John writes Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Whosoever abideth in him. There we have that same word, whosoever. In other words, there's no elite group that's exempt. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Again, we would emphasize the verb tense here. It's present tense. It's an ongoing action. Whosoever abideth continues in him sinneth not. In other words, They don't practice. They don't practice sin. That's not their practice. Whosoever sinneth or practices sin hath not seen him, neither known him. They have not seen him by faith, nor have they, as John writes, known him. In other words, they know Him not as their Savior. Oh, beloved John, he tells us who our Savior is. He's the sinless one. He's the one who came to take away our sins. And beloved, we would bid you and say to you that all who come unto Him in faith, who come to the Savior, they may know their sins to be taken away. Their sins to be forgiven. Their sins to be removed from them. I would ask you this morning, has He been revealed to you, Savior? Savior? Oh, sin is a terrible thing. It's against God. God. And the consequences are terrible. Beloved in Jesus Christ, the Savior, there is forgiveness and there is hope. Everyone, you know. All right, let us stand, and we'll have a old hymn on the back of (laughs) Bolton.